Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to the podcast. What would you you like to talk about today? Okay. Um... I love your advice of like moving into action when we're dealing with anxiety and I live that to some degree with climate crisis. I am involved in local work around that and I'm experiencing this pattern of like kind of buildup of dread Mm. and then release of it and then again (laughs) and I'm trying to figure out how to cope with that have better practices around like knowing when action is right and knowing when rest is right and like Mm. dealing with the feelings that are coming up. Million dollar questions. And (laughs) you're what part of the environment is the trigger for you? I mean, there's so many problems obviously, but everything like the numbers I think are really hard. The graphs, Mm -hmm. um, the scientific statements, the like how many degrees that the global climate is going to increase by in the next couple of years and what that means for life mm. on earth. Yeah. Um, I think that really gets me. It's fair. That's a great yeah. thing to get a person. And so what we're looking at here, just so I'm like making sure I'm really grounding mm-hmm. into your question is that you're really asking me about how to emotionally cope with what you didn't call, but I will call an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. And I know you asked me not to share all your birth info, but you were mm-hmm. born March 26, 1997. Mm-hmm. And I feel like your year of birth is important because you're mm-hmm. how old now? 25? 25. Yeah. Yep. And as a person who's, you know, more than 20 years older than you and my fear of the climate, I can only imagine for somebody who's younger and has so much life in front of you. So I feel like apologizing, although I don't really think it was me or you who did this. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We're all (laughs) dealing with it. Yeah. It's a horror show. And, you know, there's like so many ways that I'm inclined to want to look at this issue. I'll very briefly say you have a stallium in Aries, Mm -hmm. Sun, Venus, Saturn, Mercury, all in Aries. And so, yeah doing something is for sure important for you. That's yeah. it, It's like soothing to you. Mm-hmm. Sitting around and like being in your emotions is triggering and agitating for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course- And I do love you, doing it too, yeah. actually. <laughs> and of course, and I'm totally going to tell you to do it more. But to acknowledge that, you know, activating from the things that you care about is the move. That is the move. And it's not the question you're asking, but I want to just validate it's the move. And whenever one is called to activism on any level, especially in your 20s, it's important to pace yourself. This is why so many activist movements are filled with people in their 20s and not people older is because Mm -hmm. people burn themselves out. It's one of the reasons people burn themselves out. So, you know, I just want to kind of bookmark that for you. I also want to say, you have a Jupiter conjunction to your midheaven in Aquarius, which means you could make this your career on some level. Mm-hmm. And do you have a climate-based set of ambitions for career stuff? Yes. Um, <laughs> a lot of the work that I'm doing is not necessarily like directly. I mean, it is. It has to do with people's needs and relationships and resilience, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a cultural resilience and you know, like being a white person and trying to point out in my community how white supremacy mm. is part and like spiritual oppression and repression is part of why we're dealing with this climate crisis. That's where I see myself going. But also I'm young and so many things are developing. So absolutely. And, yeah. and you know, of your four planets in Aries, three of them are in the 11th house. So mm-hmm. c- working with community, finding a way to participate in community that advances the things that are important to you. Check. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, gold star. You're on the right path. Um, (laughs) And also Jupiter conjunct the midheaven. Yeah, you're going to have multiple career ideas and Mm -hmm. options and you're going to get bored of shit. So, you know, you'll find you'll find your way, take your way and then hopefully expand into another way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just want to give you one more detail here. 
before I go into answering your question, really, which is that you have a Mars North Node conjunction in Virgo. And you know me, I'm not always the first to talk about like North Node for people yeah. who are at your age, but it's very important in the context of this question because this placement reiterates all your Aries placements. It mm -hmm. says that action is really important to your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health, like movement is the mm -hmm. thing for you, but not just any action and not just any movement because yeah. it's in Virgo. It has to be consistent with what you consider to be your health or the health mm -hmm. of the planet, the health of your mm -hmm. ambitions. And so I just kind of, again, before we get into the meat of your question, want to say it's not just what you do, it's how you do it and mm -hmm. why you do it. And so if you're checking in with like, should I do X? An important thing to ask yourself is like, what's my motivation here? Yeah. And what's my approach? Not just should I do X, it's should I do X? What's my motivation to do X? And how can I approach this in a way that's self-appropriate that I can sustain? Because yeah. doing things and burning yourself out is part of what your question really is. And yeah, yeah I don't think there is a person in the world who's paying attention to the climate crisis who doesn't go through cycles of being burnt out by it as well because mm -hmm. it's terrifying, you yeah. know? So that said. Yeah. We got to talk about your goddamn moon Chiron <laughs> conjunction and Scorpio intercepted in the sixth house. <laughs> so this conjunction alongside your Pluto opposition to your ascendant gives you a real all or nothing flight or fight to mm. the death emotional nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> Super chill. Yep. This is not something that we want to call bad or good. It is neither bad or good. It just is. Yeah. It is. Part of what is, is that you are very intense. You are not just intense, but you are intense and from a family where your intensity was just like, wait, what? What are we supposed to do with this? And mm -hmm. I know that because this moon Chiron conjunction is intercepted. And that tells me that your family was both like kind of proud, like, okay. Oh, okay. They're intense. That's cool. Actually, could you just be a little less intense in public, a little less intense out loud, just a little less intense with with gusto? They were just, they needed less from you, which of yep. course made you more, which of course yep. made you so much more because fucking life, right? And also yes. Scorpio, you have it in your nature that you will emotionally resonate with the most broken of systems. Mm -hmm. So when you learn of something being truly broken, Thanks, Chiron. Thanks, Scorpio. <laughs> Thanks, Pluto. You're like, oh, I can feel that. Like, I actually mm -hmm. can feel that. And you feel it in your body because it's in the fucking sixth house. All the shit is yeah. in your sixth house. And so your Aries stuff, your Jupiter at the top of the chart is like even your Mars, you know, in the fifth house in Virgo, conjunct the North Node is like, go do, go do, go mm -hmm. do. And then your moon is like, actually, I would rather sit in a puddle of misery and contemplate how this is going to kill us all. And there's no way it will work. And they're both parts of you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's really that, like, those moon moments where I'm, like, trying to fall asleep and instead having a panic attack. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, real. I feel like I'm, I'm caught between all of this desire to act and being young and ambitious and, like, burning myself out with that and being tied down by the brick of like my emotions that yeah. would have me stay in my bed all day. Yeah. So part of why it's there with you when you're falling asleep and you're having a panic attack is because you're paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you to not fucking have yep. a panic attack. We should yeah. all be having panic attacks about this. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, part of why you're having a panic attack at night is because you're not letting yourself feel the panic at day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're not doing that so that you can go, 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 do, 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 yeah. keep your head above water, not be too intense. Mm -hmm. And that is a really high functioning coping strategy for a living in, you know, colonized, patriarchal, industrial society. So I don't want to take that from you. I don't want to say mm -hmm. do less of that. But I do want to say do more Moon Scorpio uh, when the sun's out, yeah. you know, yeah. and that is carving out space and time to feel what you feel. So I'll share something that I have done. So for 20 plus years of my life, I counseled people all day long, every day, meeting people in their pain. After years of this, I was like, 
becoming the Capricorn you can imagine, just very, you know, it was hard. And so what I started doing was watching little video clips in between each client of comedy, mm-hmm. stand-up comedy, which I'm not the mm-hmm. biggest fan of stand-up comedy, but I laughed, but mm-hmm. I actually laughed. And it changed things for me because it made it easier for me to cry. It was an easy way for me to come back to myself, tap into my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying watch comedy, but I am <laughs> saying that there are very kind of, it doesn't have to be super deep. It doesn't have to take a ton of time ways where you can tap into your emotions in the middle of your day to mm-hmm. remember that you have them so that you can then feel them. So for me, the laughing allowed me to kind of like safely get back into my body and feel what I felt. And then I could be like, oh, I'm actually really that mm-hmm. such an hit me. I got to take yeah. care of myself. And that for me was an easy access point. I'm not positive what your easy access point is. It might be physical movement instead of laughter um, Mm -hmm. because of all that eerie stuff. But I think it's about fucking with different strategies, not endlessly scrolling. That's definitely not it. But fucking with different strategies for tapping into your emotions in the middle of the day, because the truth is this is not going to go away. And if it gets better, I mean... Yeah, there's just like no way in my mind that things are really going to get better before they get worse, which I think I heard you say first. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. No, sorry. you're yeah. right. The myth of Chiron, which I don't know if you already know it or if you've heard me say it, but mm-hmm. the abbreviated version is he's constantly dying from the wounds of his father mm-hmm. and he's constantly being reborn from the gifts of his father. Yeah. And that theme of, Things are absolutely hopeless. They're absolutely bad and getting worse. And also there's absolutely hope. We absolutely have agency. There's absolutely things that can be done. And even if it doesn't give us the outcome we want, it is right to do the things that can be done, Mm, right? Those are true at the same time. And being emotionally present with the messiness of paradox, of Mm. contradiction is a skill very few of us have. And even those of us who have it, we don't have it 100% of the time because that's just not human. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I want to just validate when you have the hopeful moments or when you have the despair moments, they're moments. They will both Mm -hmm. ebb and flow. They're both true and they're both not true. (laughs) And it doesn't change the reality that you find yourself in, which is there are terrible problems you alone are not going to fix the problems, yeah. but you feel called to try. Yeah. And finding a sense of peace within that chaos, within that very scorpionic undertow roiling, like there's no fighting this. There's just no <laughs> yeah. fighting this. That's the, that's actually the work for you. And that means feeling bad sometimes for sure. But the panic attacks before bed is not the way it has to feel. Yeah, That might mean you do some sort of like meditation or sitting exercise every day. You just put an alarm in your phone Mm -hmm. to do a sitting exercise with your fear for the planet and everything that lives on it and everyone that lives Mm -hmm. on it and your sense of restlessness or impatience or your drive to help sense of helplessness, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, a meditation where you choose to sit with it. For five minutes, you know, put an alarm on your phone, 10 minutes if you can, but like five minutes is fine as a starting point. One minute is fine as a starting point. That's all you can do. My sense is that it will impact the panic attacks at night because you're making room for it in your conscious mind. It's not just when you start to like get really in your body that you feel Mm it. Does that make sense? It does. I used to have a meditation practice, but I I struggle with keeping up with it. So I, I know that that helps me. And I'm seeing that like another part of this is like the difficulty that I have going out into my community and feeling like even though I'm in climate justice work, that we're all kind of doing nothing or Mm -hmm. not aware of it to the degree that it's real or just not talking about it enough. I don't know. So, okay. So this is, you're, you're naming something really important. Let's imagine that your exact community was talking about it at the depth that you know it's happening at yeah, and having real conversations about it, what would be improved? 
I think we are having more conversations than a lot of places. And I think for me, it's like, if I have to move, like move through this grief on my own, I know that like, we need to move through it together in order to be acting. And like, that's what I wish I could share with people. Okay. So, so you kind of did, you didn't really exactly answer the question, but you named the problem. No, 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 it's perfect. You're perfect. (laughs) But you did get at it. What I'm, Mm -hmm. what I was trying to get at, which is you don't want to talk about the problem more. That's actually not what you want, because the truth is nothing is improved. It's not like people in the climate justice movement are unaware of the fucking (laughs) endless problem that this is, right? It's that you're not talking about the grief. Maybe what you need to consider doing is either looking to see if this already exists or starting it on your own. Some sort of like once a week coming together and being like, hey, I am in mourning over the planet and I don't know where to put my grief kind of meeting, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> a, a real like a, a mourner's circle for yeah. the planet as a way to not be alone with the feelings. And this is not a time for coming up with strategies, going mm-hmm. and doing right. This is not mm-hmm. a time for reasoning your way out of the feelings. It's acknowledging that there's no way to do this or any other kind of social justice work and not be overwhelmed with grief at times. With the climate, I think a lot of people have really powerful cognitive dissonance around it. You know, millions upon millions upon millions of people are aware of the climate crisis and having children. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it is really hard for most people to stay present with the reality of what's happening to our planet. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think most people, even people in the movement, are going to be comfortable going to a group like that. Yeah, I think that's true. But it's already on my radar. It's already something that I'm noticing that I need and like want to do within the next year. It's very important to do. And people suffer from very intense and debilitating climate depression. Yep. You know, and and the more educated you are, the worse it gets. So I think it's the right thing to do. But I'm saying this to you that people might not be able to meet you there because, listen, you have a moon in Scorpio conjunct Chiron. You've got Pluto on your descendant. Your capacity for sitting in a huge tub of poo, like emotional (laughs) tragedy, is is like just leagues away from most people. Like it's just your capacity is so deep. And so you may be kind of frustrated by people not being able to show up for that because you don't want to be alone in it. You do want to be able to show up for it. And just like with the climate problem, you can't control this, how people show up, whether they show up. But you yep. can put something into the world that you know you need and see how it goes. And something like this can be done in your immediate community and it can be done online yep. with the global community. It does not have to be IRL meetings. I don't even know if it should be, because that's making it too much of an intimate one-on-one. The reason why I framed that idea as kind of like an AA, hopefully you you clocked that I was kind of giving you an AA structure. Yeah, yeah. Because it's almost like making it an anonymous group, not a group of friends, Mm -hmm. a group of people who are in mourning, who are coming together for this one specific grief point that ha- that bleeds onto so many other things, but is a, a specific grief point that might be hard to have those people be the exact same people that you're working with Monday through Friday. Yeah. It I, might be too messy. <laughs> I like the idea of kind of having that therapeutic relationship. Yeah. I can just see how like letting my intensity out a little bit more to be witnessed could give me some relief. Mm-hmm. And it could also do the opposite. Again, I'm going back to the duality, Gemini rising. But it's not, that's not why. It's not because yeah. you're a Gemini rising that I'm going back to duality. It's because mm-hmm. of your moon Chiron conjunction. Mm. Opening yourself up is not going to always be safe. And it's not always going to yeah. be easy. Yeah. And it's not always going to be right. And sometimes it is all of those things. Yeah. And I, I guess I keep on coming back to it's messy. And <laughs> yeah. when we are in our flight or fight mechanisms, we are in a state of wanting a simple answer, all or nothing, yes or no, off or on, you are mourning, you are in grief, and probably everybody who's in this work with you is in their own way. But many people's way of being in grief is pretending something's not happening. Yeah. Some people are in grief in a way where they have to compartmentalize it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just want to kind of come back to that because 
with this, the way your chart's written, if you really make yourself vulnerable, it will be hard for you to not personalize other people not showing up. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I'm which is why you don't definitely. do it. Yeah, which yeah. that's why you don't. That's why you don't do it, right? Yeah. This is like a family trigger for you. You know, mm-hmm. when yeah. your family couldn't meet you where you were at, it felt like a personal abandonment or a personal affront, and so you've learned to keep your cards co- close to your chest emotionally. And so I'm not saying what you're doing is a bad idea. I'm just saying, Aries, don't jump in guns blazing. <laughs> These are my feelings before um, you've established whether or not people are worthy of your trust. Yep. So again, this is why I came back to like this AA model, which, you know, lots of people have lots of feelings about AA, but yep. the thing about it that's phenomenal is it's free peer-based emotional support group, mm-hmm. peer-based counseling. Mm-hmm. And it's not a place for making individualistic relationships that you integrate into your daily life in that particular way. There's like a structure to the relationships. And I think that is like a a model that would really serve you. It's a very Plutonian model. It's like Mm -hmm. you come in, there's privacy, you get raw, you go away, (laughs) you know, you only come when you're ready. Mm -hmm. That part of it really would work for you because of how Plutonian you are, right? Mm -hmm. Now, all this fucking Aries in your chart, you're like, yeah, I'm Plutonian, but why don't I just try to put all my feelings (laughs) on my chest and see how that goes? But that'd just shut you down. So yeah, take your time and be intentional is my Mm -hmm. advice about this because these feelings aren't going to go away. I mean, they'll ebb and flow, but unless something spectacular, like Mm -hmm. aliens with our best (laughs) interest at heart, spectacular happens, this is going to be a lifelong issue that you're Mm -hmm. coping with, right? And so finding ways of coping that are truly supportive and not rushing emotionally Mm -hmm. or behaviorally, right? Mm -hmm. These things are going to be really key for you to cope. Um, hold on. Will you say your okay. full name out loud for me? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Are you writing? Yes. Okay. Um, and that's a part of your work? Uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, that part feels really important. Are you working on a book right now? <laughs> um, not intentional. Okay. One's intentional and I don't know how to do it. And the other is unintentional and it's happening. So slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the unintentional book, do you have a working title? No. Okay. What's, what's the, just give me a very broad stroke of what it's about. Um, I am writing poetry about connection to nature and ancestors and God and stuff. And what's the other book about? It's about Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mary. <laughs> okay. So they're they're connected, eh? Yep. yep. Uh-huh. Okay. So let me just look at this. So it's the poetry that I'm saying. Hold on. Okay. And are you religious? Um, I have a spiritual life. I was raised Catholic, but um, I don't participate in the church. Mm. There's something about the poetry <laughs> book. Mm. That feels like it's related to the climate. Am I am I seeing that wrong? No, I think you're right. I think it's it's just like forming. So I don't know if I have all the words for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's there's definitely my grief being expressed there, and like my hope. <laughs> yeah, it it looks like it is a therapeutic project, and it's really important for you to be working on it. Okay. It's helping you work through these emotions. Yeah, but I will give you the unsolicited advice that. Um, <laughs> I think you could go harder. I think you're being a little careful. I think you're being a little like writerly when you could be messier. And I think that it's this stepping into your messiness is actually the move here. You know, you can go back and tidy it up after, but you're going to get more out of it if if you go in a little more raw. I think you're going in with your like inside voice and I want Mm. you to go in with your outside voice. That's really what I'm seeing. I hear you. Yeah. And this is both, I think, will be good for your writing. But I think it's also about this larger question that you reach out to me about, which is like how to handle the emotions of what you're going through. Part of that is recognizing where it's a safe place for you to be fucking wild, you know, to really like bring all your feelings to the situation. Were you like trained as a writer? You study writing? Um, I took a few classes in undergrad, but no. Okay. Okay. Because it looks like you're just being a good writer, which I'm saying is a negative thing, which it isn't. But like <laughs> you're being a good writer when you could be like 
messy and wild as a writer. And I'm, I'm kind of wanting to invite you to play with messy and wild as a writer. Um, okay. Yeah. Again, the editing, you can come back and edit. That's good. You know, you got yep. a Saturn Sun conjunction. You know how to edit things. Um, yeah. But don't edit as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think do struggle with that. Yeah. Um, can that. I ask a question about, yes. is this supposed to be shared, these, this poetry? I think it's important that you don't make that decision until you feel completed. Yeah. Okay. That's part that's of fair. this. That's part of the saying messy, because I yeah. think if you are have the intention that you're going to share it right now, which honestly you do, <laughs> then you're editing, your editor comes online and is yeah. just like, how should I say this? What's the right way? You know, mm-hmm. but I think you're going to have more value out of the creative process and likely come up with a better end product if you go in yeah. with the intention that this is your journal, this is yeah. your private creative process, and you may then create a body of work that you keep close to your chest, and then you have an edited version of it that you put into the world, mm-hmm. going in with the attitude that, that this is for the world steals it from you before you've owned it, mm. you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And and on top of it, honestly, really the, the like the center of our conversation today is how can you create space in your waking life, not just for your subconscious to wrestle with, for your messiest, loudest, most chaotic of emotions. Mm-hmm. And your writing in particular, like creative writing is is a place for that. I will throw into the mix that I do think, whether it's like blog posts, chat books, zines, whatever, I don't know what the kids do these days. <laughs> um, but like, I do think you would do well with writing around your work in general. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think you need to write like, you know, like a 300 page book about yeah, the situation. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not for you. Yeah. No. You've got Mercury and Aries. It's going to be like, you're going to come in hot until you mm-hmm. cool down and then it's done. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the move. You know, you've got a beautiful Mercury sextile to your midheaven and your Jupiter air and fire. Again, it's short, short, and quick, you know what I mean? <laughs> But I think that could be a collection of essays. I think that could be a collection of like action manuals. I think it could be a million different things. But mm-hmm. I would encourage you to play with different formats and different ideas because, mm-hmm. again, putting something into the world that people can make use of, that people can run with, again, all that area, mm-hmm. so something that people can run with, would really, it would soothe you. It would be good yeah. for the world potentially. And it would also make you feel like, okay, I've done something. I've given people a thing that they can do, yeah. which I think is actually kind of important to you. I'm like, I just sat with that for a moment to be like, am I Capricorning and Aries? But I actually <laughs> think it's it's important to you. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. Um, it's hard to come to terms with that. Mm. There's which just part so of much, it? There's so much baggage around it. Like, the expectations that I had growing up and like trying to put those aside and be like, I don't have to be useful and famous to be, to be living a valid life. Mm. And also like my really strong desire to share and the, probably the Chiron and Scorpio moon thing of like, am I going to be met with what I share? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very real. So a couple things. Ah, sharing, sharing, (laughs) truly sharing is something we do without an agenda. So if I share my peanut butter and jelly sandwich with you, I'm not actually expecting you to give me something in return. Right. If I'm sharing, quote unquote, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich with you and I expect your cookie. Well, now that's barter. That's something else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is where it's important to parse out your motivations If you share something that is really important to you, chances are people are not necessarily going to respond to it the way you want. That's a a risk. Mm -hmm. But if you stay connected to and aligned with the fact that you're sharing it because it's important to you, you're sharing it because you feel that it's important for the world, then your sense of success with it is not exclusively evaluated based on external reactions, like other people's reactions. Yeah. Yeah. And also reality, of course, there's a metric of like, do people like this? How many Mm -hmm. likes did it get? Like, it's this stupid fucking world we live in. (laughs) And we don't want to pretend that we don't care. Everybody fucking cares. Whether or not we want to care, we care. Jupiter on the midheaven, yeah. Pluto opposite the uh, ascendant, 
and Pluto sextile to your midheaven and Jupiter, yeah, of course you want, you want to be famous. You want everyone to know your name. You want to, <laughs> you know, you want people to think that you're like going to change the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's in your chart. So it what it was me, yeah. I kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah. And, and this was, was this related to religion in your upbringing? I don't know. It kind of looks like it, to be honest. Uh-huh. So that might be somehow woven into the scripture that you were raised with. Mm-hmm. But wanting to make a transformative or expansive impact on the world, and I'm using the language of Pluto and Jupiter here and the midheaven. Mm-hmm. Yep. So wanting to make that kind of impact on the world does not have to be egocentric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also cannot be done without a healthy, balanced ego. Yeah. So if you have something that you want to be known for, then there are many ways of going about that. If, let's say, it's related to the climate crisis, a good place to start is working collaboratively or collectively to create something that is not just you, but that you put into the world. Because then you're not leading with your ego. And this is the thing that I think is a little bit tricky about being in your 20s. It's a little bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind Mm -hmm. of decade. Because Mm -hmm. even if you are really an expert, and and there are some people who in their 20s are like really thorough experts of a thing, but it's very hard to be a thorough expert of a thing in your 20s just because of how many years you've been alive and doing a thing. So let's assume that you are like on the path to expertise But that's where you are. You're on the path. You're not like Mm -hmm. in a seat of expertise. Okay, cool. That's where collaborating with other people is really valuable because not only are you furthering your education, but you're not centering yourself before you're ready. Yeah. And when we center ourselves before we're ready, then we have like funky ego relationships with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that. Right, right. And also, and also, again, you got that fucking Mars conjunct your north node you got all that Aries so you don't want that and you do want that and you don't want that and you do want that and again my Scorpio moon friend I say sit with the mess Mm. because the mess is the truth for sure it it is and the we are entitled to our messy fucking emotions we are entitled to our our like fucked up motivations (laughs) but what we want to do is be able to be present with all of it so that we can make conscientious choices about what we're going to align with You are allowed to want to be famous, to think that you're better than people, all that shit. It's in your chart. That's okay. Feel your feelings. But then through the process of feeling your feelings, make decisions about what's in integrity for you, what's in alignment for you, what you, who you want to choose to be in the world. You can be like, okay, so I have like a cookie monster inside of me and it wants to eat all the cookies. And I don't want to be a cookie monster. I'm going for something else here. So I'm going Mm -hmm. to eat cookies. I'm going to enjoy cookies. And I'm also going to make sure to not hoard the cookies. I'm going to share the cookies. Yeah, That is the way to cope with that inner cookie monster. I don't know why I'm going hard on cookies (laughs) in my metaphors with you. This is what's (laughs) happening. So here we are. So I think that that is like a way of starting off is to continue the collaborations that you're doing and to even consider like, you know, let's say you're creating a zine. And again, I don't know if this is just aging me. Do do young people do zines? Tell me, do you do, do zines? <laughs> I made zines in art school. So, okay. Okay. So yeah. you know what a fucking zine is. I do. Okay. Yep. So if you're making, let's say a digital zine, you don't have to do it alone. You can yeah. connect with other people in the movement who have multiple perspectives and it doesn't dim your light. Mm-hmm. to you know invite other people on the stage no definitely not i like the collaboration that i have that i'm experiencing now it feels really good because i i don't like the kind of that power hungry part of me and it's yeah. not an in integrity for me to listen to that and yeah. go for it so yeah and and also in order to be an organizer you've got to be a little you got to have a little fire in you who's yeah. organizing without fire For sure, there's earth and air and water ways of doing it, but we don't want to demonize the parts of you that are your parts. Yeah. We want to get to know them, accept them, know their language, know their needs, and make choices because you have agency, you have choice. But the act of repressing your emotions or demonizing your emotions actually dampens your ability Mm -hmm. to make choices because your unconscious is running more of the show. So don't punish yourself, Scorpio moon, for (laughs) being a human person who ebbs and flows with this shit. And we'll add something that I haven't mentioned so far in our conversation, which is that you have a Neptune 
an out of sign Neptune square to your moon and Chiron. Your moon is also square to Uranus. But I want to talk about Neptune for a minute here. Neptune is idealistic and has a tendency to make us want to be perfect or disassociate. Some disassociation is valuable for you. The thing we don't want to use astrology to do is to pathologize ourselves or trap ourselves in a box. What we do want to do is be like, oh, yeah, that validates my experience. So how do I work with it? And Mm. for you, having the expectation that you're not going to be sensitive to suffering is a fucking terrible goal. Like it's a terrible goal for you. Like it's not a you could you could do better with goals. Right. But part of that means that you're going to be wringing your hands and gnashing your teeth while other people are eating cake. You know, you're going to feel things. And then when you spent too much time wringing your hands and gnashing your teeth, you might disassociate for a period because it's all you can fucking do. It is too hard to sustain staying really associated with all the things of this world, including but not limited to the climate crisis. So basically what I'm acknowledging is that this is impossible. You know, you, you for sure going to falter and fail on your path to being embodied and healing and succeeding and making an impact and having as much generosity and forgiveness for yourself as you would for the collective mm-hmm. is really valuable because what Neptune governs is, and this is a concept that I learned from an astrologer who's now past named Martin Shulman, but Neptune is related to impersonal love, which is the love for all living beings, the love mm-hmm. for all peoples in all communities around the world. Personal love is one-on-one messy, like me and you are besties. And you rolled your eyes at me when I was telling you about the person that annoyed me today. Like Mm -hmm. that's personal love, right? And this Neptune square to your moon Chiron conjunction makes it so that impersonal love is easier for you. It's kind of you have greater access to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. What that means is you can have a tendency to idealize movements or groups. Mm -hmm. What I really see around that is that that's like, it's neither here nor there. It's not good or bad. But because of this Pluto opposition to your ascendant, because you've got, you know, Saturn in the 11th house, the reality of individual relationships is where you find, I think, your greatest joy, but also the greatest challenges around sustaining any of this stuff. And so to be aware that there is a part of you that can be idealistic mm-hmm. about groups is actually a valuable thing because idealism can be kind of like a form of disassociation. That on its own, is not it's not bad again. It's not bad. It's not good. But there's a real crash for you into that moon Chiron conjunction. Mm-hmm. So this is where you're going along the last two weeks, you've been doing well, you've actually been feeling really hopeful. And then you get home one night and you just like emotionally crash. Mm-hmm. And there's an exhaustion and a, a depression or an anxiety that that overwhelms you. Yes. Yeah. So that's why that happens is that sometimes I think you, you ride a high, mm-hmm. then there's the crash. And if we want to like find a way to evade the crash, it's recognizing, oh, I'm really like, I got inspired by like learning about this again, group. So it's not about individuals in your life. And you might go on like a sprint of being idealistic. And then of course the reality shit, Scorpio moon shit comes back. So being able to remember a little bit of reality is Mm -hmm. really valuable for you. I think we'll be supportive on your path. I'm not sure if this part makes sense. I think so. Are you like, it seems related to skepticism or just like Maybe just having a flag raise when I'm like, this is it, you know? <laughs> yes, that that's yeah. it. I guess you could call it skepticism. Again, you have a Saturn-Sun conjunction, so maybe you will call it skepticism. I would say probably a more sustainable approach, though, would be just like trying to bookmark like, oh, I'm in my Neptune vibes right now. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really in my Neptune vibes. I'm idealizing things. It seems like this is it. And I know that that tends to be idealistic. So I'm going to just stay open and curious about the reality points you know like if i'm not seeing reality points i just need to remember that there are going to be reality points aka pain points aka Mm -hmm. boner killers we can call them lots of things right yeah and that might help you so that you don't crash because you're more aware oh i'm like kind of riding a high on this yeah 
there are many parts within us, just all of us, right? Mm -hmm. And for you, the intensity of your emotions is so big that there's a need for you to be able to practice identifying what you're feeling when you're feeling it, even if it's not like what you identify with being like. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because you can otherwise spend a lot of energy and time fighting yourself. Mm. You could just be like, oh, this is a part of me. It's not my biggest part. It's not the part I am identified with, but it is a part of me. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I just want to see, do you have any other questions? Is there anything else that would be helpful for me to speak to on this topic? I guess <laughs> the reason I even started thinking about this and noticing this pattern in myself is because of this other reading that I had. This medium told me you have this these panic attacks at night and you cry out to your ancestors and they hear you. That really helped me to um, be able to like reach out to them mm. and like share that this is something I'm dealing with. And I guess I'm I'm just curious, like I part of me has to think that some of my ancestors are trying to help. I don't know what that means though. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the way that I work as a medium myself is I never really think of the term ancestors. Okay. Um, because I tend to think of ancestors as like a group yep. as opposed to lost loved ones yep. or yep. people who are in your DNA, who are relatives, but not people you knew. Yep. Um, so they're all ancestors. They're right. all ancestors. It's just right. not the, the language I tend to use, but it is very much in the collective how we talk about it right now. Mm -hmm. So I just want to kind of like acknowledge that. Reaching out to the dead, a lot of people get a lot of comfort from that as you're naming. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm real nervous about reaching out to the dead. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I talk to a lot of dead people who are jerks. And so I don't like opening doors. I'm, I'm a Capricorn. I'm like, <laughs> if, if I'm going to open a door, I want to look behind the door. I want to look yep. in front of the door, to the side of the door. I want to know what's on the other side of this door. Mm -hmm. So if it gives you comfort and it soothes you, do it. But the truth is, what our ancestors can offer us is a sense of connection, place, belonging, mm -hmm. and that can be supportive, right? Yep. Generally speaking, like in terms of like feeling really trapped on this planet and scared about what will come and how it will go uh, or what your future holds, the dead cannot help us with that. Only the living mm -hmm. can help us with that. No, they, the dead can help us with our feelings mm -hmm. and our spiritual connection, but it is the living that will help us with that. And I am sorry. This is not mm -hmm. what you wanted to hear me say. Um, sorry. It's such okay. a Capricorn <laughs> answer. I'm just such a fucking Capricorn. Sometimes I just hear myself and I'm like, yeah, that's a study in Capricorn. But the truth is that is my kind of take on it. And somebody else is going to have a different experience than what I just said. And, and that's sure. very real. Um, is your grandfather passed? I have a grandfather who's passed, yeah. Yeah, and he's like kind of got a face- like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. He's okay. very Irish looking. Okay. Is that what it is? I'm like yep. a smush face. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. He's with you. I don't know if that's because you've called him in. I don't know if. Oh, yeah. He did. He do something with land. He was a hunter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Because he has like a, a really strong feeling for land. Yep. For like the land, for his land is what I'm seeing it as. Uh -huh. um, but I don't know that he is there. Yeah, he's aligned with your concern. Mm. I mean, he's a hunter. I don't know if that's like exactly your vibe. I mean, I, yeah, it's who I come from. Um, he was a very, you know, very respectful and spiritual person. Okay. He wrote okay. poetry too. So Okay, so that makes sense why he's yeah. the one around. So he is around. I don't know if he is who you were trying to call in, but he's the one that I'm seeing around you. Yeah, he's strengthening and buoying. His presence is strengthening and buoying, which I think is great I mean, there's no downside to having his problems. Oh, yeah. 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 But he's not got ideas, strategies, and he's not going to mm -hmm. do anything because he's not yeah. of this earth. When we pass, there are two things we don't impact anymore. That is this earth and all that is material to it and the body. Yeah. So let's not poo-poo emotional support. You can get a lot of emotional support from him and his presence, mm -hmm. but not 
I'm being such a fucking Capricorn. I apologize. I'm like, he can't do anything, but you're not necessarily asking him to like build you a, an arc. Oh, yeah. Um, no. But yeah, he can't build you an arc. But if you decide to build an arc, he can, he can, you know, help you sleep at night about it. Yeah. 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 And I guess I will just kind of round it up all to say there are so many different ways of being and being in one's truth and so many different ways of connecting spiritually and, and with the problems of the world, including, but not limited to the climate crisis. Yeah. And with that beautiful Jupiter-Uranus conjunction to your midheaven, you will find yours by going your own path. And I don't think yours is a fixed destination. I think yours mm -hmm. is like a loop-de-loo journey. Thank you, Jupiter and Uranus. <laughs> like it's it's got lots of different paths within your path. That sounds a lot more fun to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fun. <laughs> you get to be polyamorous in how you mm. approach spirituality and how you approach career. You do mm. not have to be monogamous and traditional because you have cool. a Uranus-Jupiter conjunction to your midheaven, you know? So when you start to feel like, oh, I have to do this. This is the only way to do it. You've probably lost the thread. Mm. And okay. when you, you know, you speak, you spoke with that medium and you're speaking with me and we have different takes. Yeah. And you get to decide for yourself, I'll take this from that experience and that from this mm -hmm. experience. And and that is really healthy and good for you. And all that Aries in your chart and your moon in Scorpio might be like, mm, I don't know. But I just <laughs> want to say, yeah, ultimately that works for you. You know, so, mm -hmm. so trust that. I know we didn't fix the climate crisis and I was like secretly <laughs> hoping, but we didn't do it. I'm sorry. There's plenty more time. Yeah. There's tomorrow. Plenty. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. I really I'm glad we we did this and yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I hope it I hope it helps you on your path. Thank you. It has. Yeah. Welcome back to Ghost. We are about to talk about the last week of 2022, which feels momentous. It always feels momentous at the end of a year, but before we do that. I have to tell you about what I'm doing differently next week on the podcast. On the 1st of January 2023, you're going to get your regularly scheduled weekly episode. And it's definitely going to be worth listening to because we have a full moon in Cancer to start the year off super emo. But before the 1st, I am dropping another pretty, it'll probably be a longer episode. On December 30th, I'm dropping a 2023 year ahead forecast. Okay. And you don't want to miss this. Uh, I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you don't like knowing about the future. I respect that. But if you would like to get a solid breakdown on the year ahead, uh, join me. It'll be dropping on the 30th. And it is a testament to my commitment to astrological excellence made accessible to people at all levels of learning uh, and with all manner of interests in astrology and forecasts. And another thing that's happening this week is I am dropping on my Patreon lots of new year, kind of like closing up uh, 2022, stepping into 2023 with intention content. So if you are not already a member of Patreon, I invite you to check it out because not only do I greatly appreciate it because you're supporting me and my work, but also I drop tons of exclusive content that I don't put elsewhere. Um, and, you know, I just it's a nice place to interact. It's like a happy place on the Internet for me anyways. This upcoming week, the week of the 26th through the 31st, I am looking at the chart of New Year's Eve, dropping a ritual that you can do for the new year or around the new year. I got I got lots of stuff. So yeah, check that out if you haven't already. And if Patreon isn't exactly your thing, I respect that. You know, we're all different. But if the show or my work in any way supports your life or helps you to navigate the world, this is an excellent time to press that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts, you know, give me a little five-star review or write a review. Uh, it is hugely important to, you know, DIY independent podcasts like this one. And also, I really appreciate it. All right. So let's get into your horoscope. We are looking at the week of December 25th through the 31st of 2022. On the 28th, we have an exact Venus sextile to Neptune. This is such a lovely transit. Venus is related to our values, while Neptune is related to our ideals. And the sextile aspect is a kind of creative, dynamic spark of energy flow, right? And so 
when we have our values and our ideals kind of talking to each other, inspiring each other, getting along, this is a really great thing. And so if you're somebody who is creating, you know, some sort of intention list for the new year, on the 28th is actually a really great time to do that, or at least to start it. In regards to your relationships, again, this is a great transit. I don't think I can say a negative word about this transit. And, you know, I don't have a hard time finding something negative to say about most of the transits. But in regards to your relationships, it's great for a little spark of flirtation, of love, of intimacy, of closeness, of a sense of empathy. It is easier to be generous with people that you may find annoying or people that you feel so grateful for and everything in between. This transit increases our access and willingness to experience and express care, happiness, really just lovely, right? I would say that this transit is a bit of a social lubricant, but it's not exactly, I mean, it ends up functioning that way, but it functions that way because of how it makes us feel. It makes us feel kind of okay. And so if you are going through other major transits, or if, you know, you're just going through a, a rough time in life or this week or whatever, this transit can create a little bit of support. It can just, you know, put some wind beneath your wings, as it were. And that is a lovely thing. And then if things are really easy and lovely in your life, it can represent something a little more spectacular and, and showy in terms of, of, of its positive potential. So it's definitely a transit worth tapping into and being mindful of so that you can make the most of it on and around the 28th. Now that brings us to the 29th, where we have two transits to note. The first one is a Mercury retrograde. I don't know if you've heard of Mercury retrograde. Most people haven't. It's super niche. Oh, wait, and being sarcastic. Okay, so Mercury goes retrograde, and I'm going to talk to you all about it. And we also have a Mercury conjunction to Venus. They're both happening exactly on the 29th. And I'll say Mercury goes retrograde at 24 degrees and 21 minutes of Capricorn. And that is exactly where it meets Venus a couple hours after it goes retrograde. Okay, so it's all happening at once in this exact transit of Mercury and Venus is a lovely thing. But I'm going to talk to you about it in the context of the Mercury retrograde chart for the most part. Very br briefly, I can say Mercury is the platonic side of our relationships. It's like the friendship side of our relationships. And so that might be your relationship with your neighbor or your bestie or your partner or the person you're dating, right? Uh, and there's a friendship component to all of these relationships. And Venus is more sensual. I say that word kind of funny, uh, partially because I find it a little bit of a weird word. It's not like my moist, but it's kind of on, it's in the spectrum of what moist is for so many people. Yeah, I said moist twice, three times. My God, I'm sorry. But also because I think it's kind of lost its meaning. In the context of Venus, uh, the word sensual is really meant to re reference our senses, not just our sexual or romantic senses, but all of our senses, our sense impressions, our experience of other people, again, in a sense-based way, which encompasses our feelings, but is not limited to emotional or psychological impressions. It's also physical. It's kind of all the levels. So when Mercury and Venus conjoin, when they meet up in the sky, it is really lovely for connecting with others and feeling a sense of connection. That's the, that's the broad strokes of this transit. But as I mentioned, I want to focus on the Mercury retrograde chart. So Mercury goes retrograde at 1.32 a.m. Pacific time. So I've cast a chart for that. And what is very important to note is that, yes, Mercury and Venus are exactly conjoined in this retrograde. But Pluto is very close by. So we have uh, in the Mercury retrograde chart a Venus-Mercury-Pluto conjunction. And that, my friends, is not the best thing for a Mercury retrograde chart. Now, we've been feeling the Mercury retrograde shadow or retro shade since December the 12th. And I don't know about you, but I immediately <laughs> noticed it because this Mercury retrograde shadow has been really annoying. Lots of misunderstandings, miscommunications, um, things kind of not working. Classic Mercury retrograde stuff. And whenever the shadow is annoying, you know, we, we have a good sense that the retrograde itself will be annoying. Now, 
Now, luckily, this is not the longest retrograde in town. It will be over on January 18th, right? So it's not even a full month. Having Mercury sandwiched between Venus and Pluto indicates that this Mercury retrograde may kick up old resentments. So you know how retrogrades will often bring old relationships up, you know, kind of like drag us back into old relationship dynamics, whether they're with, uh, you know, the same person or a same dynamic with new people. Uh, Yeah, this Mercury retrograde, unfortunately, promises to do exactly that. Pluto governs our resentments, our pettiness, our deep and kind of primal pains. It's our flight or fight mechanism. And when Mercury is sitting on top of Pluto, we know that our mind, Mercury, is fixated on those things. And when Venus is at play, uh, our sense of belonging or safety, our sense of belonging and safety in relationship to others, financially, um, in our bodies, you know, around our gender, they all get engaged. So this Mercury retrograde promises to be really intense. And you can engage in this by fighting with people or fighting back or striving to understand your own thoughts, your own beliefs, your own attitudes and sort through them even when they are messy, ugly, sticky, when you're at fault, uh, when the other person is 100% at fault. We know that retrogrades follow the rule of Rees. We are meant to be doing all this reflecting, right? But it's not just that. It's that we have the opportunity to regenerate, to have a reparative approach to our own psychology, our own relationships, our own attitudes and beliefs, how we communicate, how we listen, all this kind of stuff. And because of Pluto's presence, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it may very well be difficult, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not a fun thing. I don't want it. You don't want it. But the opportunity here is really powerful and cool. So if you have major conflict with someone, do your best to look at what is my role to play in this? How do I want to be in this? Not what is my reaction, but how do I want to respond to my reaction? And what's motivating my impulse or desire to respond in the way I want to respond? Because we have a Sun Chiron square in this uh, Mercury retrograde chart, we are likely to feel highly identified with the ways in which we are struggling, our entitlement to our struggle, our feelings about our struggle in general. And that identification is in itself not a bad thing or a good thing. But when the sun is squared to Chiron, when Mercury is conjunct to Pluto, and I didn't mention this yet, Jupiter is conjunct to the moon, all of these things can make us so identified with what we're experiencing that we don't take our heads out of our asses. And when you don't take your head out of your ass, it often can get you in a situation where you're engaging really based on projections as opposed to what's actually happening in the here and now with a person. You can lose track of yourself in such a way that you start responding to triggers in old ways instead of the new ways you have figured out how to be. And when that occurs, you know, you can beat yourself up, you can, you know, gnash your teeth and pull your hair, or you can be like, oh shit, okay, there's more in here for me. And to instead of being judgy and shitty to yourself, thanks Pluto, thanks Chiron, you can try to be interested. It's a Mercury retrograde after all. And let us not forget my darlings, that as Mercury retrogrades, it's meeting Mars in Gemini. Gemini is a sign that is ruled by Mercury. It's meeting Mars in Gemini in its retrograde. That Mars retrograde, we've been in it for a while, quite annoying, quite frustrating. Uh, But it's asking us to look at our egos, how we approach things, what we're doing, what our motivations are, our relationship to anger, to violence, to sex and sexuality. And now Mercury is meeting Mars. Well, I mean, it's not meeting Mars uh, in a conjunction kind of way, but it's it is joining Mars in this retrograde motion. And it really says to us, uh, this is a time for reflection. Don't worry about what anyone else is saying or doing. Really take responsibility for how you're engaging, right? And this might be sad. It might be very emotional. And that's complicated, but it's not to be avoided. Big emotions 
It's important to have a practice for figuring out how to stay with your emotions without turning them into stories, motivating them into actions, or simply distracting away from them, projecting them onto other people or situations. It's very hard. And it's a lifelong ambition for the vast majority of us. I mean, for those who actually turn it into a goal, but it's lifelong work for most of us. Now, we have this moon-Jupiter conjunction. It's out of sign, so the moon's at 29 degrees of Pisces, and Jupiter's at almost one degree of Aries. So this gives us a greater sense of emotional resiliency, greater access to generosity, a willingness to grow and learn, the ability to cope with difficult emotions. This is a really wonderful gift within this Mercury retrograde chart. The only problem is Neptune is also conjunct the moon. It is not conjunct Jupiter, but it is conjunct the moon. Uh, it's at almost 23 degrees of Pisces. So it's sitting on top of the moon, a little bit further from the other conjunctions. And that creates confusion. The impulse to disassociate or to create stories to back up your theory, you know, to step into a sense of victimhood or martyr, martyrdom or whatever. And these are all things to be on the lookout for. Not because there's something wrong with you or anyone else, but it is because Mercury retrogrades happen cyclically. They happen, you know, a couple few times a year and they occur so that we interrupt the way that we are going about our lives. They interrupt our beliefs, our attitudes, our relationships so that we can reset if necessary. And it's often necessary, you know, so be willing to reset. Understand that a passage into awkwardness or difficulty, discomfort, is often exactly what we need in order to have more flow, ease, and happiness on our path. And whenever it comes to Pluto, which again is very prominent here in this Mercury retrograde chart, we often have to let something go in order to be free. An attitude, a belief, a relationship, a plan. So be open to it. Be open to it and see what happens. Now, the last thing I'll say about this Mercury retrograde, it is a Mercury retrograde in Earth, in Capricorn. And so you may be dealing with earthly concerns. You may be dealing with relationships, uh, goals, ambitions, plans, you know, classic Capricorn shit. But also, I often like to remind people that Capricorn is a zodiac sign associated with conservationism. The drive and ability to conserve, conserve energy, resources, time, whatever it is, right? And so that may be an important point of this Mercury retrograde. And if you want to understand more about how this Mercury retrograde is going to impact you personally, you want to figure out where Capricorn falls in your chart, and in particular, 24 degrees of Capricorn falls in your birth chart. Okay. And that brings us to the last exact transit of the week. Uh, nay, of the year, I say, of the year. And this transit is a Venus conjunction to Pluto. Now, this isn't surprising, right? Because I just told you that Mercury, Venus, and Pluto were sitting very close to each other. Now, Venus conjoins Pluto exactly at 9.25 p.m., Pacific time. So if you're on the east coast of the US or further east, then this transit is exact for you on January 1st of 2023. Now, Pluto conjunct Venus is not the transit you want for New Year's Eve. I cannot tell a lie. So we're in Mercury retrograde, Mars retrograde. Straight out the gate, we know that there is a meaningful likelihood that There'll be miscommunications, misunderstandings, plans get fucked up during retrogrades, right? So straight out the gate, we got that. But then on top of it, what Venus conjunction to Pluto often does is it intensifies our drive for intimacy, love, connection, affection. And it can do so in such a Plutonian way that we feel fixated on our lack of those things. We can feel incredibly lonely, especially because the shit is in Capricorn. Again, this is like a moment where resentments come up, where you're feeling really like, yes, we're going to go do X, but I really wish we were doing Y, or I'm doing something with people that I like, but they're not giving me the attention that makes me feel good, that kind of thing. Uh, this is a sticky, tricky transit. It intensifies 
so much of Venus's drives, which can lead to some very spicy, fun times. So it's not all bad, right? But because of Pluto's involvement, our motivations can be problematic. So we may have fun in some ways, but feel like we're putting ourselves at risk, not feel safe in others. And it's important to consider your relationship to safety this New Year's Eve, this Venus conjunction to Pluto. As you've heard me say so many times before, when I'm looking at hard Pluto or Neptune transits, I'm going to encourage you to be really careful and not super wild with your substance use. Because, and I'm only speaking to Pluto right now, there's nothing happening with Neptune in this on this date. But with Pluto, we can end up having essentially bad trips. We can end up feeling unsafe or really being unsafe. Both of those things are equally important, but they take really different remediation. They take different kinds of uh, approaches to deal with them in a healthy way. So, you know, I, I do want to urge you to be safe. If you're at all concerned about your safety this New Year's Eve, and for several days before and after, listen to that. Trust your instincts, you know. You don't have to appease others or please others all the time, even though Venus can be like that. Uh, sometimes you need to say no. Sometimes you need to be in disagreement. Sometimes you need to leave the party while you're still having fun, you know. And speaking of that, it would be irresponsible for me to talk about such a big party holiday during COVID with all these retrogrades and this Pluto transit without acknowledging that a lot of people are going to put themselves in COVID unsafe situations and messy situations. And I want you to be really mindful about that, mindful about the choices you're making, the impact it may have on you, on other people, and even, yes, the world at large. So, you know, it's messy. It's complicated. Classic fucking Pluto. If you get involved in a power struggle, which is completely possible <laughs> this week in general, um, with Mercury and Venus so close to Pluto, and certainly on and around the state because of the exact transit, uh, fight fair, you know, fight fair. And if you figure out that someone you're dealing with is not fighting fair, then you don't need to fight with them. You get to walk away if you like, you know, because whatever we do under Pluto transits comes back at us like a goddamn boomerang. So be careful, full of care. Okay, so my loves, my nerds, my ghost babies, that is your horoscope. I'm going to run through the transits. It's not that many of them this week. On the 28th, we have an exact Venus sextile to Neptune. On the 29th, we have an exact Mercury-Venus conjunction and Mercury goes retrograde. <laughs> Annoying. And on the 31st, Venus forms an exact conjunction to Pluto. And that's your week in astrology. And that's the end of your goddamn year. Now that we're at the end of the year, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to not just this week in the stars on the podcast, but, you know, for as long as you've been with me. I want to just thank you for that. I hope that the insight and guidance that you've gotten from my work has helped you navigate the challenges, opportunities, and mishigas of the past year. And as we step into the new year, I want to wish you the very best. May the stars align ever in your favor. I'll talk to you later on this week. Bye-bye.